And welcome to the week 14 recap of the 49er Way podcast. It's your host Jay Sohoda here and we have another jam-packed episode for you as we recap week 14 in the NFL. Hope everyone is having a great final week before the Christmas holidays, although it doesn't really feel like Christmas and of course we know that these holidays will most definitely be much different than usual. Having said that, you know what does feel like late December? Football with playoff implications and that is exactly what we got in week 14 and we'll be getting for the next few weeks as well as we head into early January where the NFL playoffs will happen. Of course, not many of us thought that that was going to happen, but here we are going into week 15 and just so close to finishing off the NFL season that we knew was going to be so much different than usual and boy, it has not been easy on anyone, but we're almost there. On today's episode, we'll recap week 14 around the NFL, the 49ers game against the Washington football team, talk some more Niners news, we'll take a look at the updated playoff standings, and of course, we will crown this week's weekly award winners, including our first defensive MVP of the week candidate, and we'll get to that later on in this episode. We will start today's episode by getting to... The 49ers matchup versus the Washington football team. Of course, we knew how big of a game this was going to be for the San Francisco 49ers coming into this one if they wanted any shot at returning to the postseason for the second consecutive year. Obviously, this was the quote-unquote revenge tour for the Niners, and it was completely decimated by injuries all year long. It just it has not been easy for this team at all, and we knew this game was not going to be easy. Washington was coming in having won three in a row, And coming off of that huge road win against Pittsburgh. And they're fighting for a playoff spot in the NFC East. Fighting for that division title. So we knew this was not going to be an easy game at all for the 49ers. But unfortunately this just did not go the 49ers way at all. From right, really right from the get-go. The Niners fell to 5-8 and and are pretty much out of the playoff race now of course. There is a scenario where the Niners still do get in. But I just can't see it happening right now I mean there's just the injuries are just too much and quite frankly I would rather not try to hustle and get that seven seed I would rather have you know Minnesota or Arizona who are way more healthier than we are get in and at least compete in the postseason because if we get in we're not going to be able to compete because we're not going to have more than half our stars there and and if we do we're more than likely not going to have our starting quarterback so I just don't see an objective there but penalties and turnovers were a mess in this one as it's been and it's been the story for the last month and a bit for the 49ers in 2020 it's it just it just hasn't been pretty and it's been nothing like last year's team at all I mean last year's team was so resilient in so many ways and I'm not saying that this year's team hasn't been resilient this team has been very very resilient in so many ways and the injuries obviously are just too much to overcome and that would explain the five and eight record but having said that you know this one was just a really deflating loss and you know it's it's on to 21 it's on to 2021 for the 49ers now and a a very interesting offseason that's going to be up and coming and I think there's going to be a lot of changes but I think it might be for the better for the 49ers but I'll talk more about that in a little bit but I mean I'm not going to get too much into this game I I you know there's really not much to be said but I'll leave it at this 
Washington did not score an offensive touchdown all game. They scored 23 points and did not score a single offensive touchdown. Washington lost Alex Smith in the first half. So they're without their starting quarterback to start the second half. Dwayne Haskins started the second half who, you know, has looked kind of good at times, but mostly hasn't been that great. And when you're looking at this Niners defense, you're thinking, oh my, Dwayne Haskins is coming in. This is, you know, this, this, this should be an easy task for the Niners to stop. Mind you, coming into this game, the Niners were faced, or Washington rather, did not have their starting running back either, Antonio Gibson. He did not play due to a toe injury. So Washington doesn't have their starting quarterback for half the game. They don't have their starting running back at all in this game. They don't score an offensive touchdown. And the 49ers still managed to lose this game. I think I think that's all that needs to be said. I don't even need to get to like the team notes or the individual note. Like, there's there's no point. That's all that needs to be said. Obviously, like I said, this game went downhill right from the get-go when Debo Samuel left the game on the very first play of the game. And I mean that that honestly just summed up the entire season right there. It's like you head into a game, you really think that we have a chance in this game, and then and then you you lose the one guy that you needed. To help you win this game. As soon as Debo went out. I was like that's it. It's a, it's a wrap for us. I mean. I, I, I just don't know what else to say. But more importantly. And Kyle Shanahan made a note of this at the end of the game. When he was asked about Debo Samuel. He said. Well yeah Debo Samuel leaving the game. Most definitely affected the game plan. Of course. I mean you saw it right from the get go. It was a jet sweep to start the game. I think it was pretty cut and clear. That Kyle Shanahan wanted this game to revolve around Debo Samuel. So obviously when Debo Samuel goes out, you have to completely change the whole complexion of the game plan, which is what the 49ers had to do. But Kyle Shanahan clearly addressed that, that that is not the reason why the 49ers lost this football game. You turn the ball over, you are not going to win games. The Niners had a chance to beat the New Orleans Saints. We turned the ball over twice. We didn't win the... Mind you, we turned the ball over four times, twice on offense. So that's not going to help you. If you turn the ball over four times, that's not going to help you. We turned the ball over three times against the Rams. We barely won. But that's because the Niners defense got four turnovers. The Bills game, the 49ers also turned the ball over a few times. So we know it's pretty cut and clear here. We just cannot turn the ball over. And Washington's defense is no joke. This is a very, very talented, young, and -and up-and-coming defense. And Ron Rivera is a fantastic defensive coach. So you know that. You, You do not turn the ball over. You got a pretty good chance of winning this game. But for God's sakes, Nick Mullins is turning the ball over like it's a free sample station at Whole Foods. Free turnover for you, free turnover for you. Would you like to try this new turnover? That's not going to win you football games. And it's gotten to the point where it's just so frustrating. And you can even hear it in Kyle Shanahan's voice. I've never heard Kyle Shanahan seem so fed up before. And mind you, this is a football team that had to deal with Brian Hoyer at some point in 2017. And mind you, Kyle Shanahan finally cut cut the strings on Brian Hoyer and put in C.J. Beathard back in 2017. And I got a pretty decent feeling that the same might be happening this week. And honestly, I know we haven't won very many, many games at all with C.J. Beathard. We've only won one football game that he started. 
but he probably gives us a better chance to, to win a football game right now than Nick Mullins has. I mean, there's just no way around it. Our defense does not allow a single offensive touchdown. And this is a defense that is without Nick Bosa, Fred Warner for the entire fourth quarter. You know, the D-line has been decimated. The secondary has been kind of decimated. We don't have Joukowsky Tart out there. We don't have Fred Warner out there. We traded Quan Alexander. And yet they're still out there balling. And our offense moves the ball down the field. It's not like we couldn't move the ball down the field. We were able to move the ball down the field. It's like we were putting together a good drive. And then a turnover happens. It was the same thing against Buffalo last week on Monday night. They're moving the ball down the field. We're like, okay, you know, now we can get something going. And then a turnover happens. I just, I, listen, I like Nick Mullins. He's, an, he's a great guy. He's a good quarterback. He's a good football player. But for heaven's sakes, like this, this is not how you get it done when you don't have your star players out there. You need your backups to step up. Nick Mullins did it twice this year and the other times he has failed miserably. Having said that, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. The Packers game, I'm not going to cut him slack because that was just a mess all around. And that is not Nick Mullins' fault. Not Kyle. That's, that was no one's fault. Right? We went out there with scrubs off the street. That, that game was no one's fault. And really, that was it. The Eagles game, yeah, that was all his fault. The Giants game, he played very good. The Rams game, he played very good. But these last two games against Buffalo and Washington, all you needed to do was get one. Buffalo was an extremely good football team. Extremely good football team. They were a hard team to beat. But the Niners still played with them. They were, the Bills were just too much. Washington... Same thing, but Washington is, they don't have that much talent on offense, and it proved it. They didn't score a single touchdown, but their defense is ridiculously talented, but the Niners failed that, and as I continue down that road, and we'll look at some of these team notes real quick here, the Niners had 21 first downs. They were able to move the football down the field, four for 50 not third downs, not acceptable at all. They were able to run for over 100 yards, but they still didn't win the football game. 236 passing yards. Again, the 49ers were able to move the football down the field. But the penalties kicked them in the ass. They allowed four sacks. The O-line just has been struggling all season long. And I think Kyle Shanahan has made that a complete priority that they need to upgrade the offensive line. And I could not agree more. Trent Williams needs to be re-signed 100% top priority. But the rest of the O-line, they got to get that figured out. Especially at center and guard, they got to get that figured out. They punted the ball nine times. I mean, that's anytime you're punting the ball that many times, it's just it's not going to work out for you. The Niners turned the ball over three times. We talked about that already. And the Niners won the time of possession. See, when you look at the team notes, you're like, this is a game that the 49ers, you know, they were able to move the ball down the field. How did they not win this game? They didn't allow an offensive touchdown. Turnovers. It was the same thing in 2018. It was the same thing in 2017. The Niners come so close each time. But it just comes down to protecting the football. Last year, we had a defense that was immortal. And then mind you, we had a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo with a healthy supporting cast majority of the time. So that helps too. But last year, we had a lot of injuries too, especially on the offensive line. But it is, it is what it is, you know. And, and as for individual notes, I'm not going to get to literally anybody. On defense, I'll say Jimmy Ward, Javon Kinlaw, and Jason Verrett were fantastic. And on offense, I think there's only one person to shout out. And I think there's one person to shout out, not even just for this game, but all year. 
it's Brandon Ayuk. And I think Brandon Ayuk has been the MVP of this team all season long. Considering he's a rookie and the you know, no NFL team has at any offseason program. Training camp was, you know, kind of eh. Brandon, and this is a complex system, mind you. This is Kyle Shanahan's offense we're talking about. This is this is not an easy playbook to get to know. Brandon Ayuk has come in here and has been everything Kyle Shanahan had hoped he would be. He's been fantastic. What is it, 10 catches for 119 yards? I think he's had, what, like three or four games over 100 yards? When Debo Samuel's been in and out, George Kittle has been out for a majority of the season. I mean... This is Brandon Ayuk has been absolutely phenomenal all year long, and I just I, I can't you know he's the only person I need to shout out. He's been fantastic all season long. It doesn't matter who's a quarterback when he's on the field, he's making plays, and I'm just glad that we we traded up to get him. And when Kittle is finally healthy and Debo is finally healthy next year, this offense is gonna roll, and I can't wait. But my hat's off to Brandon Ayuk, man. It's a, it is an incredibly hard time. This year is hasn't been easy on anybody, but for him to step up the way that he has for this football team when we've had the players that we've had get injured has been has been amazing. It's been a massive silver lining for this team. But I mean there's there are three games left still in this in this season. I mean, this year has just been tough all the way around. Injury wise has been a mess. COVID wise has been a mess. But, you know, this season hasn't been all doom and gloom. Like, I mean, I think we were all able to see what the 49ers were able to do when they were healthy, right? When they were healthy, they beat the Rams pretty handedly back in week six. And then they knocked off the Patriots in week seven, knocked them out pretty good. When this team is healthy, I think we know what they can do. But there has only been like two or three games this season that the 49ers were able to to be that healthy. They haven't been fully healthy since like week, even week one, they weren't that healthy. Debo Samuel didn't play in that game. Brendan Ayuk did not play in week one, mind you, and we only lost by four to the Cardinals. Take that, and George Kittle also got hurt at halftime, but he still played through it. So just remember all of that when people take the season into consideration because there is a likelihood that the Niners could lose out and finish 5-11 and and be like, oh my God, what happened to the 49ers? They fell off a cliff or whatever. No, this team was probably healthy twice all season. And when we were, we won those football games. To the injury report real quick here. George Kittle looks like he might return to practice this week. If I were Kyle Shanahan, I would just shut him down. There's no point of bringing him back. But you know, if CJ Beathard goes a quarterback, sure, Kittle will most definitely help out. Debo Samuel injured his hamstring on the first play of scrimmage. He is likely done for the remainder of the season. I mean... Debo Samuel had the foot fracture in the offseason, so he wasn't able to take part in hardly any of training camp. So Kyle Shanahan says the hamstring injuries is most likely because there wasn't any offseason programs for the 49ers this season. And obviously that would make a ton of sense. Debo Samuel is not in football shape. That would explain the hamstring strains. This is the second time he's injured his hamstring this season. It's just it's just tough and it's unlucky. And I hope that there is a proper off-season program next season for the 49ers. I really do. For all NFL teams, because there's been a ton of injuries all year long, but Debo Samuel probably will not return, probably for the best. I hope he rests up and he's fully healthy and he has a good off-season program going into next season because we need him badly. Another guy we need very badly, Fred Warner, who has been the rock of this defense all year long, especially without Nick Bosa, is questionable for this week. He's still waiting on his MRI results. He had a stinger on his shoulder. We still got to wait for that, but 
If Freddie's not good to go, no point of putting him in. He is the future of this defense. Last but not least, Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, Kyle Shanahan mentioned that there is a chance that they do bring him back. However, it doesn't look like that anymore. And it seems the more that I read articles and the more that I hear certain things about Jimmy G, it does not look like he's healthy. Now, it does not look like this ankle sprain was like the first one. It seems like this one was much, much worse. I would shut Jimmy G down for the rest of the season, folks, on 2021. My fear is, does does he come back from this ankle injury? That, that is my fear. Like, obviously, he can come back and he heals, but is he going to be the same guy? And that's where I'm leaning towards... I do think they should draft the quarterback in the first or second round, not to replace Jimmy G, but as an insurance policy. Because if Jimmy G is not how he has been these past, you know, season or two, even last season coming off the ACL, he still looked pretty good. But if he isn't up to that par, then it makes all that easier to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Not because of his play, but because of the fact of that he's not the same guy that they paid back in 2017. But we have all offseason to talk about that. And we, all, and we have all offseason to talk about the future of this football team. There's a lot of free agents. There's a lot of important moves to make. It's a very, very important offseason for the 49ers. And I'm not going to take too much time here. But I think, obviously, the main priorities are Trent Williams and Kyle Juszczyk. Very instrumental to what Kyle Shanahan does with this team. But we'll have to see. We'll have, we'll have to see what happens in the offseason. And I will wait till the offseason to break down all of that of who we should bring back and looking at the future of the 49ers going into 2021. But I have a feeling if the Niners can have an offseason similar to the one that the Rams had this year, I think the Niners are going to be just fine. I really do. And we'll see what happens. But the Niners, of course, next week will play the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry World. Of course, this was supposed to be Sunday night football, but the Niners have been struggling. The Cowboys have been struggling it was kind of bound to the fact that it was going to get flexed out. And it is. It is now a 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. It will be a noon game in Dallas. It will be a 10 a.m. Pacific game in the West Coast. So tough love there. But, I mean, it was bound to happen. Nobody wants to see a struggling 49ers team and a struggling Cowboys team in prime time. It just didn't make any sense. But we'll see what happens. We'll see if Kyle Shanahan makes a move through, uh, throughout the week for starting quarterbacks. But, you know... We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know what to make out of it, but I hope it's CJ Beathard. But we'll see what happens for the 49ers. Going to the rest of week 14 in the NFL, and we'll start with Monday night's game against the Ravens and the Browns. Oh my goodness. If you missed this game, go and watch the highlights. This game was, in my opinion, arguably the game of the year. The Baltimore Ravens won this game 47 to 42 in in an absolutely incredible game. Baker Mayfield was phenomenal. Lamar Jackson was fantastic. 47 to 42 Ravens get a huge win. Lamar Jackson 11 for 17 and 163 yards passing. Nine rushes for 124 yards. Mind you, Lamar Jackson left the game with cramps and then comes running out of the tunnel. So, if you did not watch this game, this is what happened. Lamar Jackson leaves in the fourth quarter, had cramps. It was expected that he was going to come back at some point, but no one really knew when he was going to come back. So Trace McSorley, the backup quarterback, takes over. And I'd say in his second possession, Trace McSorley goes down, which looks like an, an ugly knee injury. He was able to walk off on his own power. So he gets injured. He's on the ground. He's getting attended to. And as soon as Trace McSorley walks off the football field, 
Lamar Jackson is running out of the tunnel, ready to come back on a fourth and five, a crucial play in this game. Lamar Jackson comes running out of the tunnel. This was like some next stuff out of the end of a Disney movie. Like the, the superhero was coming out to save the day and save his team. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. Lamar Jackson comes running out of the tunnel, checks into the game on a fourth and five, and throws a touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. Amazing. Amazing stuff. That game was phenomenal. I'm going to shout out the Cleveland Browns as well. My goodness. This Browns team is ready for the postseason. I never thought I would ever be able to say that. I mean, Browns fans are probably disappointed in how that game ended, but I would not be disappointed. I would be pumped. I'd be like, this team is ready. Like, this is a good football team. And they're still young. And Kevin Stefanski's still young too. But Stefanski, he's got my vote for Coach of the Year right now. It's not easy to get the Browns to 9-4. and four. No one has been able to do it for the past, you know, two decades. And they're on the verge of getting into the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. Amazing stuff there. Browns will be on Sunday Night Football next week against the Giants. The Rams took on the Patriots on Thursday Night Football and the Rams got redemption in a Super Bowl 53 rematch 24-3. Sean McVay and the Rams got the job done on the heels of a huge day from rookie Cam Akers running for over 150 yards on the ground while the other Cam, Cam Newton, didn't look too hot in the loss. Patriots dropped to 6-7 and seven, while the Rams improved to 9-4 and four and remain tied for the NFC West division title. The Chicago Bears smoked the Houston Texans 36-7. I did not see that one coming. To snap their six-game losing skid, big day for Mitchell Trubisky to keep the Bears in the playoff hunt. I gotta say, I was quite impressed with Mitchell Trubisky. I did not expect this at all, especially after, you know, in the past, you know, everyone talks about, oh my god, the Bears, they drafted Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes and blah, blah, blah. For Trubisky to come out there and destroy the Texans, I mean, I don't know the Texans were without a lot of their top threats, but still, I mean, that's it's pretty impressive. But the Bears, they're still well in it with three weeks to go. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Cincinnati Bengals and Andy Dalton's return to Cincinnati 30-7. to Cowboys aren't quite done just yet, while the Bengals continue to struggle without Joe Burrow. Kansas City Chiefs went to Miami and returned to the Dolphins Stadium for the first time since Super Bowl 54 and defeated the Dolphins 33-27 despite Patrick Mahomes throwing three interceptions on the afternoon. They still found a way to win. I mean, that just that just goes to show you how great the Kansas City Chiefs are. And I mean, you know that you have to play practically a perfect game to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Dolphins turned the ball. They forced three turnovers and still couldn't get the job done. That's tough for Miami, but they put up a good fight. My and Kansas City now takes over the number one seed in the AFC at 12 and one. The Arizona Cardinals put an end to the Giants' winning streak and got back on track with a 26 to seven win to move back into the seventh seed in the NFC playoff picture. While a poor performance from Daniel Jones has the G-men now a game behind first for the East Division title behind. Washington. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers took care of business coming off of a bye week with a 26-14 win over the Minnesota Vikings. The Bucs got off to a slow start but got back into things as the game went on and boy oh boy the Vikings could have easily been well in this game if it wasn't for Dan Bailey missing three field goals and an extra point in this game. Brutal for Minnesota. Dan Bailey struggled the previous week as well. 
it was a, it's almost a sure thing that the Vikings will bring in another kicker this week as the Vikings fall to 6-7 and seven and are now on the outside looking in. The Denver Broncos beat the Carolina Panthers in a defensive battle, even though it was quite high scoring, 32-27. Broncos get back on the winning end of things. The Tennessee Titans defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars 31-10 off of another massive day from King Derrick Henry who ran for over 200 yards yet again as the Titans move to 9 and 4. I mean, is there anyone else that just that just makes December their month more than Derrick Henry? I mean, he just takes over December. Last year, the Titans just rode Derrick Henry all the way to the AFC Championship game. December was his month. They got the 6th seed, got into the playoffs, went all the way to the AFC title game, and they're doing it again. Just hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and he'll just take care of business. My oh my, Derrick Henry is something else. Sticking in the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts remain tied atop the AFC South with a huge win over the Las Vegas Raiders, 44-27, to in a game where, lot, where there was a lot of wildcard implications that mattered in this one. And it wasn't even close. A huge day from rookie Jonathan Taylor as the Colts Roll to 9-4 and four and are now tied with the Tennessee Titans atop the AFC South while the Raiders are running out of opportunities. I mean, they got that Week 16 game against Miami, but is that even going to matter? I mean, Baltimore won. Miami still looks pretty good. Cleveland looks really good. Indy just hammered them and now has the head-to-head over the Raiders. I don't know about Gruden and the Raiders. They're definitely struggling for sure. The Seahawks dismantled the Jets 40-3. to I mean, there really wasn't my, I mean, there, there really wasn't much of a surprise in this one. The Jets went up 33 to nothing, and then it was all downhill from there. 40 unanswered points from the Seahawks as they moved to 9-4 and four and keep pace with the Rams for the NFC West title. The Green Bay Packers beat the Detroit Lions 31-24 and captured their second consecutive NFC North Divisional title, their second under head coach Matt LaFleur. And the Packers are now going to try and gun for the number one seat in that one bye week in the NFC playoffs. Packers look good. And the Saints, they lost to Philly. Of course, we'll get to that game now. The Eagles upset the Saints in Jalen Hurts' debut 24-21 and snapped the Saints' nine-game win streak. The Eagles looked a lot better without Carson Wentz. And Jalen Hurts, I personally have always loved Jalen Hurts. I loved him when he was at Alabama. I thought he was a stud when he went to Oklahoma. He's played under two great head coaches in college. I mean, if he keeps this up and by beating a red-hot New Orleans Saints team is quite a good way to start your career. And I mean, this, this Saints defense was one of the best defenses in all of football. And the way that Jalen Hurts came out, very impressive. I mean, he got a lot out of Miles Sanders, helped him out. But this is a team that has had a lot of injuries too. Really impressive game by the Eagles as they're not just they're not quite done yet. But they got a big one against the Cardinals next week. While the Saints have a huge one, possibly a Super Bowl preview against the Chiefs in week 15. The Chargers edge the Falcons 20-17. And then on Sunday night football, the Buffalo Bills hand the Pittsburgh Steelers their second straight loss 26-15. The Bills continue their dream season and improve to 10-3 and and will look to clinch a historic first AFC East title since 1995. It has been 25 years since the last time the Buffalo Bills hosted a playoff game. I mean, every, every time I talk about the Bills and how good they are, I just, I just can't help to think about how insane a Bills playoff game would have been if the Bills Mafia was in that stadium. 
I mean, I've been to Buffalo. I've been to Bills games. It is a ruckus. And God, we all know playoff atmospheres are different than any other game in any kind of sport. Playoffs just hit different. But good God, a Buffalo playoff game would have hit different. And they have a really good team. And I know Bills Mafia, I mean, they're probably enjoying it at home. They wish they could be a part of it. But I know they're just happy to see their team succeed. Because this is the best they've been in, in 25 years. It's amazing stuff. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, on the other hand, after that 11-0 hot start, they don't look so good anymore. And these next three games are going to be very important for them if they want to try and capture that number one seed in the AFC. So, speaking of the number one seed in the AFC, let's take a look at the Week 14 updated playoff standings heading into Week 15. And we start in the AFC. Speaking of that number one seed, as I mentioned before, the Kansas City Chiefs now took over as they are now 12-1. and The Steelers dropped to 11-2. So the Chiefs are now the number one seed in the AFC. But they got a big one against the Saints. So the Steelers do have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So... The Steelers do have the better shot here, but they have a harder schedule down the stretch, even though the Chiefs have a tough game in New Orleans on Sunday. But the Chiefs occupy the one seed so far and still look very, very, very good. Sitting at 12-1, and they have also won their division, so they will host the playoff game at Arrowhead. The Steelers have clinched the playoff berth, but they have not clinched the division just yet as Cleveland is still there. However, Cleveland took a big hit with their loss yesterday for their chances of winning the division. So the Steelers have the two seed at 11-2. Buffalo has the three seed at 10-3. And and Tennessee has the four seed for now at 9-4. Indianapolis is tied with them atop the AFC South at 9-4. The wild card, the Browns sit at the five seed at 9-4. Colts at the six, also 9-4. And the Dolphins sit in the seven seed for now at eight and five but those ravens are right behind them also at eight and five and then of course the raiders at seven and six the patriots mm, they're still there but i don't think they're gonna get in they got a huge opportunity at miami a place where they've historically struggled on sunday but the afc the way i see it i think the ravens are gonna get in i think they got a very easy last three games i think they'll get in but I mean, it's going to be exciting. I mean, you talk about Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Tennessee, Cleveland, Indy, and Baltimore. That is a very good AFC playoff. And for once, Tom Brady and the Patriots aren't going to be in it. But Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are the team to beat now. They are the new Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is now Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They're the team to beat. Pittsburgh, I don't know anymore. I thought they could compete with them, but I don't know anymore. Tennessee and Buffalo, I think, can compete with Kansas City. Tennessee's been there and done that, and I think if they had another opportunity, they'd be able to do it. Buffalo's really scary. I still, do I think they can compete with the Chiefs? That's tough. I mean, I know they played earlier in the year, but since that meeting earlier in the year, I think Buffalo has grown, and they've gotten a lot better since then. That'd be a very interesting game, and it could well be Buffalo-Kansas City in the AFC title game, but... Don't sleep on Baltimore or Indy or Cleveland or any of those wildcard teams too because they're very good as well. In the NFC, there is a changing of the guard at the number one seed as well. The AFC, the one and two seed swapped. In the NFC, the one and the two seed swapped. The Packers now occupy the one seed and have that bye week at 10-3 and three after beating the Lions. They have clinched the NFC North title, so Lambeau will host a playoff game once again. The Saints dropped to the two seed with their loss to Philly. They're also 10-3. and three. So these last three games, the Saints and the Packers will be dueling it out 
for that number one seed. Nothing's changed. The Saints and the Packers were right there last year with the Niners, and now this year, the Niners dropped. So it's the Packers and the Saints. So not much has changed in the NFC from last year to this year. Rams sit in the three seed at nine and four. They got a big one with Seattle in week 16. Washington coming off of two very impressive wins. They're at six and seven in the four seed. For the wild cards, Seattle sits at the five, Tampa at the six, and Arizona at the seven. Seattle nine and four, Tampa eight and five, Arizona seven and six. Vikings and Bears are in the hunt at six and seven. And of course, the Giants and the Eagles aren't out of it yet in the NFC East. But Washington seems like they're in full control over there. But I think I think this is going to be the playoff picture right now. I think Green Bay, New Orleans, Rams, Washington, Seattle, Tampa, Arizona is going to be the final seven. I do. And I think out of those teams, I think Green Bay and New Orleans are the top two teams in the NFC. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, it's I still think it's kind of wide open. Tampa can get hot at any time. Seattle can get hot at any time. The Rams can get hot at any time. And is Washington really, you know, a pushover? I I wouldn't count out a Ron Rivera coach defense. So the NFC is a little wide open in this case, but I think both playoffs are going to be very interesting. And we head into week 15. There's some big games here with a lot of playoff implications, but to start off the weekend, you know, we're in late December and you know what that means. Doubleheader Saturday night football. The Bills and the Broncos will be the first game at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time followed by the Panthers at the Packers at 8.15 on NFL Network. Two good games. The Bills could clinch their division title for the first time in 25 years. Packers trying to search for that number one seed against a pretty decent Panthers team. On the Sunday's games, Bears at the Vikings. That should be a very entertaining game. Looking forward to that one. Pats at the Dolphins. Very interesting game there. I don't know. It depends on what kind of version of Cam Newton we get. Seattle at Washington could be a very interesting game as well. Eagles at the Cardinals. Can Jalen Hurts do it again against Kyler Murray? That should be an interesting game as well. Two guys that have played under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And then the Chiefs at the Saints. That is a huge game. Possibly a Super Bowl preview game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Drew Brees won't be playing in that game, which sucks. If Drew Brees played, I think it would be so much better. But we'll see what Taysom Mill can do. Can he go toe-to-toe? With Patrick Mahomes, that's going to be the question. Of course, that Bears-Vikings game has a ton of playoff implications in it. Should be a good one. Week 15. It's it's uh, it's a big week here, and a lot of teams need a big win, and we'll see what happens. We know the Raiders play on Thursday against the Chargers. a big game for them, but we'll see what happens going into week 15. And that would bring us to the final segment of today's episode, where, of course, we crown the weekly award winners for this week's 49 Away Weekly Awards for Week 14. And we'll start with the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week Award. The candidates were Jonathan Taylor, huge day for the Indianapolis Colts. Another rookie, Cam Akers for the LA Rams, with a huge day on the ground, rushing for 171 yards. Lamar Jackson, big day, 100 yards passing, 100 yards rushing. And for the first time ever, all season long, I cannot believe it has taken... 14 weeks to finally give a defensive candidate. Usually, a lot of the times with the Jerry Rice MVP award, I usually go to offensive candidates. But I think this one had himself a day and deserved to be a candidate and really played a huge part in his team winning. Hassan Reddick of the Arizona Cardinals, five sacks. That does not happen very often that one player really does what he does. I mean, I could have I could have definitely given Chase Young a candidate. He had a, himself a day, but 
Hassan Reddick, five sacks. What a huge day. The winner that you guys voted for this week's Jerry Rice MVP of the Week award is Jonathan Taylor, who got 15 votes and had 20 rushes on the day for 150 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's about time. I mean, I loved Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. He was an absolute beast, and I think he fits in with Indy perfectly with what they do. And I know he's got up to a bit of a slow start. You know, he's had, you know, some good games and bad games, but this, without a doubt, was his best game of the season. And if he plays like that, and you got Naeem Hines back there too, the Indianapolis Colts could be dangerous. On to the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award. The candidates for this week were the Buffalo Bills who came off a huge Sunday night victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Philadelphia Eagles, who had a huge surprise win over the Saints with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. The Chicago Bears, who defeated the Houston Texans in a big blow win at home. And the Baltimore Ravens with a crazy, crazy game against the Cleveland Browns on Monday night. The winner that you guys voted for the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award is the Buffalo Bills, who have now won this award for the second time this season, along with the Colts and the Niners. So we had a three-way tie for the best team of the year, possibly. And the Buffalo Bills, I mean, you can't say enough. They're playing incredible football right now. What they did on Sunday night, what they did against the Niners last Monday night was pretty amazing. The way Josh Allen's playing right now was out of his mind. And Stephon Diggs has been balling out as well. The Buffalo Bills much deserved for that award. The Cody Pickett L of the Week award. The candidates were the New Orleans Saints losing to the Philadelphia Eagles. Or Dan Bailey missing three field goals and an extra point on the day. It was a rough day at the office for the Vikings kicker. The winner of this week's Cody Pickett L of the Week award is Dan Bailey. To be honest, I started the L of the Week award based off of kickers missing game-winning field goals. Like something along the lines of what happened with Cody Parkey and the Bears in the playoffs a few years ago. So Dan Bailey fits the script here perfectly. I mean, four field goals, my goodness. And if anyone watched that Bucks vikings game, it would have been clearly evident that the Vikings could have easily been in that game if they just hit three of those field goals. The Bucks were up 23-17 at one point, and if the Vikings nailed all three of those field goals, it'd be tied at 23. Tough, tough day. I would not be surprised if Mike Zimmer cuts ties with Dan Bailey this week and goes with another kicker instead. So Dan Bailey, L of the week. For the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week, the candidates were the Eagles beating the Saints or the Pittsburgh Steelers losing their second straight game. The winner that you guys voted for the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week for Week 14, the Philadelphia Eagles over the New Orleans Saints. And I couldn't agree more. This was a huge surprise. I don't think, especially with a rookie starting, and I know Jalen Hurts can ball. He was a baller in college. We talked about him earlier. But to come in this game play a red-hot Saints team. This this Saints team has been playing very, very high level of defense. I know they don't have Drew Brees, but they're still playing at an extremely high level. They've won nine in a row coming into this game. The Eagles have not looked very good at all. And they came out and they, they balled out for their young quarterback. I mean, I'm very impressed. And for all those people who were calling for Doug Peterson to get fired, remember Doug Peterson is a pretty damn good coach. And I think, obviously, if he wasn't happy in Philadelphia, that's another story. But he's a pretty damn good coach. And I wouldn't count out the Eagles just yet. They got three games left. And if Jalen Hurts plays like that, if they could beat the Saints, they could beat anybody. But as for the Pittsburgh Steelers, on the other hand, ouch. I mean, to lose to Washington and now to Buffalo, that's tough. And forget just losing the games. Pittsburgh hasn't looked good. Like, I know that they're getting a little bruised and battered here and there and all that. But 
the Steelers don't look good, and it's concerning with three games left, and the Steelers better catch their stride before January comes around, because when the playoffs come around, the Steelers have got to find a way to catch fire, otherwise they could be ousted on wildcard weekend. So that will do it for this week's 49er Way Week 14 recap. Hopefully everyone has a great week, and we will see you all next week. And of course, don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis.